0: Hey, what up? This is Swamp Fiends. Today I got uh, a couple of guys from the other coast in to talk about our topic. So we got Jim, Jeff, and Colgan in from uh, the other side of the US. So I guess I'll just sort of ask you one by one a little get to know you question. So let's start with Jeff. Um, Let's do um, what faction do you play in Foe now? And what was the first crew box you bought and why?
1: Uh well I play pretty much every faction now because I have this goal of playing every master, um. Oh. So, <laughs> well we'll see we'll see how that goes and, and how far I get. I'm I'm about a I think about a fifth away. Um, the first box I bought, uh, well actually I bought a couple of boxes at once because a game store near me was having a clearance on the the old first edition boxes. Uh, and, and you know, they're like these little rectangles, but they've got some neat art on them. So I bought Colette, I bought Kaladi, um, and I think uh, Dreamer, maybe? Yeah, so I, I started out, uh, I think, with some pretty, uh, on the high end of the scale.
0: Yeah, I, I, my shop was having a sale on those boxes, and I bought like 20 of them for 3 and $5 a pop. And I didn't realize that they were actually worth shit, so I traded them for like two warjacks like five years ago. <laughs> so that was a big, uh, big move. Um, so how about you, Jim? What patch are you playing right now?
2: Oh man, I think right now I've been on an outcast and Bayou Kick, but I'm I'm eyeing that, uh, them explorers. The, the seeker keyword just looks phenomenal just to put together and paint and as a project. So I'm going to be leaning up over to there and uh let's see first master back in 1e i got a metal P- perdita kit and i don't, I think i got it on the table once against <laughs> the first edition pandora player and i might t- talk about this a little bit later we'll get into our topic but that was not a good introduction to malifol <laughs> <laughs> yeah i bet those models seem really hard to paint like oh my
0: gosh line. yeah so, Colgan, I know this question's harder for you than the others. <laughs> and you, um, you have no faction, right?
3: It's like a- <laughs> um. Well, recently I've been playing 10 Thunders a bit, but I, I think it's kind of part. Whenever I hear someone say, like, a Master is weak in a medic, it kind of makes me want to play them for a bit and see, mm-hmm. like, how bad they actually are. So, like, my wife was talking. She, like, started playing the Dreamer recently, and she was, like, she she was going to start with the recent recent. Uh, Originally, but she didn't really like how she played and she felt like she was kind of weak. Like, Asami's not bad. So I've been playing Asami a bit okay. recently. Um, as far as starting, I remember I originally wanted to start with the Victorias, but when I joined or started Malifo, that was when it was really hard to get product. So I think I ordered the Victorias from our local shop and I got them maybe a year later. So <laughs> I ended up starting with um Nelly and the guild Oh, that's pretty sweet
0: um I've never heard uh Asami I never heard anyone say she's weak but I guess she is like unforgiving. so it would make sense that
3: yeah it might have been less weak but like after she started playing the dreamer she's like the dreamer is so much better
0: (laughs) (laughs) no argument here uh (laughs) and then of course we got Jimmy on how you doing Jimmy
4: I'm doing pretty good right now What's the uh, what's the body fat? Uh, what's the body fat situation? Um, you know, when I started, I don't really know. I'd have to I have to get re-, re measured. But when I started, I think I was one eighty one, and now I'm one sixty five. Wow, nice. So
0: We're getting there. Awesome. Yeah, you look you look pretty thin, dude. When you came over the other day, I was like, holy shit, bro! And you're and you're killing raid bosses, so you're you're. Not anymore. Handling With both you. of your. Your goals. Yeah. Which I may have cut out of the last episodes where we talked about WoW for like...
4: My guild <laughs> just said they're done They're done because we don't have... Um, We can't get people on our server for Mythic. So we're basically done reading. Uh, Eric reading. Or something? No, this... This is really bad baseball. <laughs> this other dude, this Delrick dude. I'm sure you've seen him. Oh shit, you call him out on the pod, dude? Yeah. <laughs> He's gonna get cancelled on Twitter for that. <laughs> he got kind of pissed. I mean, Eric got pissed too, but... They just don't want to do it anymore.
0: <laughs> All right. So, um, today for this pod, um, so the kernel of this idea came to me when I was doing the Parker deep dive. So, when that comes out, I'll probably like link this episode just to be like, I'm not an idiot and my point wasn't that bad. Please listen to a little bit of a clarification. But on that, I was basically saying, I was trying to arrive at this point where, and I did it a pretty shitty way, I was trying to say, like, You know, uh, you should play with your friends like how you would play in a tournament, right? Like you, there shouldn't be a distinction because, like, you—I don't know—it just feels kind of shitty to say something like, um, you know, oh well, I'll say that's in now, but if it was a tournament, I wouldn't say it It is. You know, I was just saying like that's a shitty way of trying to say what I think is the point we're going to get to today, which is like I think that when you play with your buddies and you play with your locals. You should do as much as you can to try and think about how you're going to play where you can grow together instead of opposition to each other. So, what I hope we can get to, and that's why I invited these guys who on who do the other coast, which is kind of like a meta podcast of my, you know, like at least your synopsis. You know, in the beginning, it was like, oh, this is about the West Coast. Like, we could talk about, you know, you know what makes how do how do we build a strong meta together, and like how do we sort of you know, hold up our, our locals and stuff. Um, So I guess to get into it, I I was wondering if you guys have, I guess, can you speak to that point to begin with? Like, like, what do you think it is to have sort of a meta focused podcast? Uh,
1: Well, I, (laughs) I think our goal was definitely to have one. I don't know how much we have really um, stuck to that. Uh, necessarily where we're speaking only to or, or even primarily to the experience uh, at our our local play um maybe if local you know if if covid wasn't around and and local play was healthier maybe we would be more focused on kind of an in and out uh or like you know week to week um exploration of what's going on in our local meta but uh kind of had to speak in more general terms uh lately but wh- I think when we first started one of our goals was to find ways to um to interact with the community outside of game days because uh you know you don't have really that much time to play so uh you know anything you could do where you know talking about uh talking about what's good or sharing pictures of what you're painting you know all all these things that we were already doing on Discord just kind of coalesced this idea that hey if we have this podcast we can kind of talk about uh, the aspects of Malfa that we maybe don't have the time to fully explore uh, at the table
2: yeah and i th- i think just to add to that i think there was also an element of trying to let it be known that we existed that there was a Malifo community <laughs> in LA because I know at the start of three, it was all we could do to find, like I, I was ecstatic when I heard about um, Jeff running games down at the local shop. Cause I had gone months without being able to find anybody to play. Um, and I know if you look online, at least right now, there's a lot of emphasis on East coast, uh, which I have now moved back to. So now we have both coasts reflected on the other coast. But like, you see a lot of chatter about East Coast, a lot about UK, some about Australia, um, lots of various European areas, but West Coast Meta seems to have disappeared. We wanted to say, hey, we're here, maybe to get more people to come in and, you know, join the community.
0: Yeah, and I think that um, no one would want to listen. It was just like a... You know, like a weather report, but like the games that are going on in your meta, right?
1: Yeah, like this week I beat Colgan again, seven to four. <laughs> this week I though beat you Colgate do
3: again, say that a game. lot,
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but I, I think I, I remember now that we're talking about one of the other things too is that since you know when it started, it was just Jeff and Jim, and I think I joined like maybe two months after Jeff started. And then once we started getting new people, I think one of the things was because Malifaux has a pretty steep learning curve, we were thinking it might be good if we could record some episodes for like aimed at beginners because I felt like a lot of this stuff, you know, the big thing that I was listening to at the time was like third floor wars, but it was all like podium talk, like talking at the tournament level, competitive level. And it wasn't things I could necessarily relate to. Um, having just come into the game and like trying to learn one crew. Yeah, I mean, even the deep dives, which...
1: uh like, I love Third Floor Wars. I, I listen to it, uh, and I listen to all the deep dives. Um, but, you know, there's a, a a large block of those deep dives is essentially the, the guest reading the card. Um, and then you get a little bit about how to really use it. Uh, but to kind of, I guess, echo Kogan's point, um, I feel like if you're, if you're a newer player, uh, a lot of the Third Floor War deep dives kind of assume a level of knowledge... Uh, that we were finding our 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 recruits you didn't yet have. So I guess we were trying to kind of bridge the gap uh, so that they'd be able to take advantage of what was out there to a greater extent.
0: yeah, I think you guys have been pretty successful with that. You're probably like my the one I listen to because uh, I listen to every pod. You guys are probably second or third. you know, obviously everyone listens to tabletop talk. but uh, I like that you guys kind of are doing something similar that I feel like we're trying to do, which is like talking about. Playing the game instead of talking about the models in the game. I don't know if you say that's sort of a fair character uh, characterization, um, but in terms of this like sort of meta-centric thing, I've definitely seen. So I, I think there's a concrete example of something. I think um, I saw like a an AWP post, like a few comments down. There was someone who's like, "Oh yeah, well, what about you know, you know, the podcast from the guys that are in the same meta as me, you know, like, like somebody who wasn't." one of you three, but was talking about your pod. You know what I'm saying? So that, to me, sort of speaks to something that you're doing right in terms of, like, providing some camaraderie around your area. And that's sort of something that I think is really helpful, not only just for playing more games, you know, creating sort of a a community, but also getting better at the game. Outside of just, like, the quantity of games you play, uh, so I think what would be cool to talk about is like this idea of having pride in your meta, and maybe we should say some. You guys think we should say something other than meta, like, or is that the best term for it?
1: Uh, I feel like it's a term you're not gonna have to explain to everyone else. So even though it does kind of feel ridiculous to have to say meta <laughs> nineteen times every <laughs> minute, it's it you know it, it's so convenient. And any substitute we come up with. Uh, would would probably eventually wear
3: just as thin. Or we could just um, coin the term. We can get the <laughs> ground floor, right?
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's yeah turn
3: yeah, this yeah. into a brainstorming session. <laughs> a our, our nexus. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Too soon. Yeah.
2: Too soon. Chill,
0: chill.
1: We're trying to get all of our eyes and ears up to the, up the
0: house, You know, that's that's the goal. God damn, that was perfect. <laughs> oh man. Oh shit. So. I guess like if you're trying to grow your eyes and ears, uh, it, it helps to have some Doctor Meredith Stanleys uh, to, to 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 cheer you on and help you become a better fucking husk. Uh, so I think and I think that's when I've had the most fun playing minis games. It's when I was like invested in my local area. When mm-hmm. my buddies would do good, you know, the guys that drove in with the car and like they would do good or better than me or like you know, they would surprise me or something like that. That is like what is most fun about sort of the competitive element of the game. So that's just kind of what I wanted to talk about. Uh, I guess does that does that track for you guys? Do you think that it's something worth uh, thinking about? I think so. Uh,
2: I'm reminded back in back in second edition, Weird had, had this program called the Henchman oh. Program. And so you had like a dedicated person for your um, Nexus Hive, if we're going with this, who, <laughs> who was like the the hype man trying to build up, uh, you know, build up the community. And I remember my local, the henchmen that I always interacted with, they were always very open. Uh, they always took the time to talk to newer players, offer demos, created a space where people who were curious about the game could learn about it, try it out, and be like, hey, I'm interested in this game. Where do I go from here? So like giving that that foot in the door to help the community. And then after that, like some of them really put me through my paces when I was learning the game. I think Second Ed, my first game of Second Ed was against somebody who brought in brewmaster before brewmaster was released back when he was that toxic bubble master and he pulled zero punches he was like okay um let me introduce you to the world of you don't get to do things with brewmaster because you say you want to get better at the game here's something you haven't seen before let's go through it and then let's talk about what steps happened what you could have done better and so having that kind of focal point that meredith stanley or that henchmen in your community is something i've really found helpful
1: i mean i have to say one of the motivating factors for me having played malifo pretty much since i started was uh you know my my intro experience uh was actually not the same as Jim's as when i when i started playing there wasn't really anyone around um but i eventually uh got to got to do some demos uh with some people who you know they didn't live anywhere near but they were just such a great group of people that i was willing to to take a drive to get a game. Um, and, you know, this gets said, I think pretty often. And, and so uh, it might start sounding cliche, but I really feel that Malifaux's community, at least the, the in-person uh, community, I, I don't play enough Vassal to really be able to, to say what, you know, what, what kind of the wider experience is like, but I, I have had very few um, unenjoyable in-person Malifaux games uh, and, and that's not always, um, that's not always a given in, in miniature war Um, one of the things i found interesting about, uh, your guys' pod is that, um, Cody's a, a, very, very high level, you know, player, uh, and, and Jimmy was introduced to the game by, by playing Cody, right? So it was kind of, kind of like ramming into that brick wall, um, and, and apparently, uh, uh. I mean, I I don't. You you guys can correct me if if I'm wrong, but apparently, I mean, your guys' games are 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 competitive now, Mm -hmm. Um, and and for us, I think you know we we have a a a meta that's kind of varied in size, but has been uh, pretty decent uh, at least you know again before COVID uh, in in terms of activity. But we're still kind of at the oh well, don't forget to use focus. Don't forget to declare your trigger stage with um with several of our, our new players. And because we mm-hmm. actually um, do process new players uh, fairly continuously, at, at least, you know, again, while we're active, um, we pretty much always have those people. So it's kind of like at school when you're singing row, row, row your boat, like, you know, some people start ahead and then some other people join in. Um, we're, we have people who are at a much wider range of, of, where they're at in the game than it seems like, uh, you guys might have in your area. Uh, and one, one effect of that, I think that's been positive is that we've gotten a lot better at teaching the game. Um, but I'm not sure that we yet really understand how to take the next step and how to help players make the transition from learning how to play to learning how to play correctly or, or learning how to play better. Um, and so since this is, you know, an in, in, in experience Jimmy had where he was, you know, playing against the top rated player on the continent, um, you know, I, it is kind of interesting to me uh, what your guys process was or, or what Jimmy's kind of arc with the game has.
0: Yeah, Jimmy, how do you feel
4: about that? Um, I don't know. It's kind of weird because we've always played, played games against each other. It's like, yeah, you know, so that's always kind of like been there. So it didn't really feel like that. There was, like, not that much of, like, a a learning curve, I guess. At least, like, learning, like, the basic rules of the game, I feel like I kind of, like, got all that pretty fast. Except yeah, for, like, except for things with terrain. I still don't know how any terrain works. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nobody knows how any terrain works.
0: Because, I, I don't know, uh, for, for me, it, it felt like, um, so we've always sort of played games against each other on, like, a macro level, you know? Like, transitioning for 40k to war machine it was kind of the same thing like you played war machine like six months before me but once you got me up to speed it's kind of like we were playing the same sort of game just with different yeah. rules yeah and to me it kind of feels like that it's like once i once you caught up to speed on the rules like you're already we're, we're back to playing like the same game we were playing before just with yeah uh, with with new you know just new rules instead of you know war machine or something. Yeah, uh, which sure. I guess is not a thing that translates. I have definitely had some situations where I would meet a guy in like War Machine or something and I would be like, oh, you're my like, you're my kind of guy. Like, I know people like you and I know that you're like a sponge. So it was like super easy to be like, OK, well, we're going to level up together. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I'm going to I'm going to you know, play open kimono with you on this, this and this so that you can skip a few steps to get to a point where we can start to be competitive, you know what I mean? Um, and that's been fairly that's that's worked a lot of the time for certain people, but uh, it, it's not like a universal rule, right? And that's the um, that's what I that's what I'm thinking might be like the mediating thing here, right? So a lot of getting good, quote unquote, is like hunger, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like wanting to be good. And if you play these games, there's not a lot of reason to be good, you know, like most people don't want to win tournaments, and if they do like you know they don't want to risk it at any sort of expense to their real lives, you know like i'm I'm even i'm not really that camp <laughs> throw away certain aspects of my life to do good at this game uh shit if i if 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 we're going to a tournament and my tummy hurts, <laughs> I don't want to play, <laughs> you know what I'm saying like for sure. So, 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 that hunger is like a hard thing to find, and I think a thing that could be like a mediating uh, influence on that for a lot of people who aren't necessarily hungry themselves is to like well, think about you know think about the squad. Right? Like, if my boys are doing good, I'm doing good. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. if my friends are doing good, I'm doing good. I think that's like a, a, a decent little way to think about the game. Uh, that like my hope is that if, if maybe we start to think about that, then we can play in a way that is like a good example for other people to like, you know, um, you sort of grow together. You know what I'm saying? Does that, does that make sense to you? Yeah, I think so. And
1: I, you know, I, I think it, it talks to, uh, what you want to get from the game, right? Mm-hmm. We have, we have a lot of players who, um, you know, we, we we taught them the basic rules so they never played Malifobu before they they joined our group um and they they essentially know how to play at this point um other than you know kind of like the weird rules things that that i mean everyone struggles with from time to time um but you, you know they 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 come and they want to play they, they, they want to play the master that they brought, right? It's not necessarily that they're going to build to the scheme pool or the strategy or whatever. And it's because their gameplay experience or, or their goal from the game, rather, is just to play a game in Malifaux. Um It's not necessarily to, to win or, or to get any better. Um, but kind of going to your point, Cody, one thing that um, maybe the more experienced players could have is this is this goal to be playing the game in order to help players develop. Uh, and if you, if you go in, into the game, trying to get that out of the game, uh, it very well could lead you to play differently, right? It could, it could lead you maybe to, um, even talk about the pregame, right? When, when people come and they just want to play the list they want to play, Hey, you know, people should play what they want. That's, that's totally fine. Um, but if your goal is to kind of build the meta or to help the players who want to improve, improve, uh, you can, I think, orient every stage of, of the Malifaux game towards that goal, which is something that I really don't do, even though I, I would like to help uh, players develop, um, you know, at least insofar as I can.
0: So, Colgan, I think you're, you're coming from a position where you were the least experienced, and then you've leveled up a bunch as well, too. So do you have any sort of perspective on this in terms of ways to grow, you know if you're
3: the new guy yeah i mean i kind of agree with what you say i feel like it's kind of like a hunger or mindset thing because i don't feel like i did anything particularly special but i I think just as part of my personality like when i start a new game i like reading all the rules like figuring out like what strategies are and seeing if i can like do something stupid or if it'll actually work in game so you know I i think when i first started or for like any game i was reading through all the rules i was reading through like forum posts trying to see like oh, how do people play Nelly? Or after I played a game with her and I lost, I was like, what wasn't working for me? I kind of analyze it from that perspective. But I think after games a lot too, I would, you know, after I played against like Jeff or Jim, I'd want to talk to them, with them a little bit, kind of see like where I messed up or what they think I could have done differently. And, and to me, you know, I had played war games in the past, but Malifo with how it scored everything... And like dropping scheme markers instead of just trying to wipe your opponent off the board was a very different play style that I had, you know, it took me a bit of time to get used to. But I, I do notice that, you know, when we started playing with newer players, some some people would be very receptive, like they'd want to talk after the game, like figure out, oh, where did I go wrong? Like what happened? Do you have any tips? And I was more than happy to help those people out. But so I guess as far as a new player, I would say be inquisitive, you know, ask questions because I couldn't always tell if someone wanted to actually go through the game. And there've been a couple times where I tried to do that. And I think I just kind of came off as being like arrogant or like condescending because they weren't necessarily in a receptive mood or they didn't, you know, they just want to play a game of Malifaux and they didn't really care to analyze everything that happened during the game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's perfect. Cause, cause what, what, I can hope we can get to is, is you said, I want to help. You said, uh, you said, uh, you know, uh, someone would do something wrong or or something. I can't remember exactly what you said. And then I would want to help them improve there. So that's, that's exactly what I think I want to think about, right? Is, well, why do you want to help them improve? And then Mm -hmm. at what point did you go too far where you made them not receptive? And is there a way to like, so so what I wanna think about is like exa- exactly that. Like how do we help our friends improve in a way that is not like shitty? Mm-hmm. That's that's exactly like the thing I wanna think about, you know, with you guys. So like uh, that definitely I, I just think there's some there's some like there's some like stories I, I can think of that just are are like such like quintessential like moments where it's like thinking about your meta and your pride in certain sort of situations like that just like m- made us improve in a way that's not condescending because mm-hmm. it's because it is so easy to be condescending right you can't I'm you guys have all the all the the experience teaching people I am like bad at that because I'm just that line is so hard to toe uh, mm-hmm. where you're giving them space to win the game but not trying to be too instructive um So, like, Jimmy, I'm thinking about, like, when we played War Machine, one of the most, like, fruitful, like, gaming uh, periods we had is when we were playing Menoth versus Mercs. And, like, we were only playing each other. And we both, like, leveled up a hundred times. We played Harbinger versus Durgan, like, all day, every day. And then we played High Reclaimer versus Durgan and High Reclaimer versus Gordon and stuff like that. It was it was very tick for tack. You know, you do this, then I do that, and you do that, this, and I do that. And, and in some ways, we were playing like tennis, right? Because we were equal, we were able to keep volleying, and we we're both able to get stronger. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And because of that, I I like I took a game off one of the best players in the country. Really, I diced him, but I'm gonna say it's solely because <laughs> you know, we were we were in the fucking hyperbolic chamber, you know, leveling up. Um, so. Uh, like that's that that's that's the cool part of like having the squad or having your pride meta and your pride, pride and your meta is that you do level up together and it is super cool. Like I, I know it's at certain points, you know, while we were playing War Machine, you're like, oh yeah, fuck, fuck Miami, dude. I hope you fucking clock this <laughs> kid, dude. <laughs> Fort Lauderdale for life, son. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, both <want> that good. <laughs> so like. <laughs> And like I don't know, just that that kind of attitude was like it was it was really um, productive in certain ways, you know. I and mean? it was it was like tribal, but also productive. Yeah, I
1: think part of the struggle is that because different people get different things from the game, um, you know, the same approach isn't going to work. Like someone like Colgan is great because he's just gonna you know, he's going to start, he's going to he's going to lose, he's going to want to win, so he's going to make the effort, right? But there's also, you know, there's another end of the spectrum where there's people who they just show up to play and every week they kind of get their head kicked in. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I personally wouldn't really find that very enjoyable, but, uh, you know, the people, they come back uh, week after week to to play games and they seem perfectly satisfied. But at the same time, you know, I'm sure... as as just kind of a normative value, everyone would would be fine improving, but how do you kind of help players who are not result-oriented or result-motivated develop their play? Well, Um, yeah, I'm
2: just going to jump in here. Um, One of the most productive experiences I had with, with improvement in the meta was when we had an event that we could work towards where we would be representing our community. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically i'm thinking of it was all my stuff's from 2e because covid um but there was i think it was capital city winter Murderland. it was a it was an event travis from the old max value podcast held where it was a teams event where you had teams of three you signed up beforehand and it was like months in advance and you would go and It was one of those proto team formats where you could kind of, um, you would see each other. Each team of three would see each other's masters, and they, you'd pair each other up, and there was this whole mini game about who do we put our best player against this best player, and we knew that in advance, so we could say, all right, well, we're reflecting the group that we're reflecting these other people in our community. We want to do a good job by them. So it's, I guess, at the end of the day, it's a motivated, not from the self, but to represent the other members of the community with an opportunity to do so in in the context of the game, either by performing well at the event or having the best painted models at the event if you're not sure about your gaming ability or... In my case, I was committed to playing Parker in every round, even though he was the absolute worst master in Outcasts in 2nd Edition. <laughs> um, you know, you, you had a thing, and then you were like, all right, that's my thing, I'm going to make that my thing, and I'm going to work on that. And you had a team that would be like, all right, if that's your thing, well, then this is going to be my thing. And could encourage each other to do their thing. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, they're still part of the same team, Right. Right. Yeah, NC used to... I think that's one thing that NC did that was super smart is they had, like, every time there was a tournament, you would register for your store. And mm. whichever, you know, kind of like how... Best pairing stuff. And the store that did the best would get, like, a little roaming trophy that would go back to whichever store did the best. And I think that, uh, you know, helped... It was just, like, a little, uh, you know, trophy you get from a trophy shop that people would get passed around a bunch. And it was... Uh, helpful for for letting people, you know, have some sense of pride from,
1: you know, their little region. I wonder if this is a geographical divide because, uh, you know, and I've I've actually heard similar sentiment or, you know, people talk about their gaming environment the way, the way you do, Cody, where it's like, okay, well, we've got our players at our store. And there's another store that's not too far, um, but not necessarily too close. that has their, their players. And we can have kind of like a friendly rivalry in Los Angeles Travel mm-hmm. is such a huge pain that although we know of a couple other theoretical nexi, um, we don't really interact, uh, and and there's not. I think uh, in the West Coast in general, um, it, it, you know, gaming in, in the West Coast, uh, there's I, I think th- there are far fewer of these local. Local identities within, uh, I guess, what you might call the the same the same region, uh, and and they tend to be pretty isolated from each other. So like, if if you're in kind of the same situation that we are, we would have to foster um, something like that within uh, within the community of our own store, which you could definitely do, right? You can you can break off into teams and have like a friendly red versus blue kind of thing, um, just within within your local meta. I just, I've always been really envious of the way people in the Midwest and the East Coast talk about gaming, uh, because it just, it seems like you guys just have so many more opportunities than we do.
0: Yeah, it doesn't necessarily have to be um, a rivalry within stores, right? It could be, that was one of the goals of, I think, USFT too, is that uh, you would have (laughs) both, um, you know, that we would get all the rankings and stuff like that, but and you would get some inter-regional competition, but you'd also have, when, you know, your region would send two guys to the Invitational, that that would be your guys. That's who you're rooting for, right? Right. Uh, because they're the ones that you have actually seen at tournaments, even for, you know, if it's your guys' example, you only saw them at, like, L- LDO or something. it would still be, like, your dudes. One thing that, um, when I was playing War Machine, that I thought helped with, like, inter- um, inter-meta sort of uh, growing, like you get like you're talking about, where you're like more regionally located, is we would do uh, scramblers, like every Sunday or every other Sunday. Which a scramble is just a small tournament, so like you just get four people and you play two rounds. You know, two people pair off, winners uh, fight, losers fight. And I had my wife; she just got a cricket at the time, so she was like printing shirts like crazy. So I had her made a bunch of like, I'm a big deal in my meta shirts. And, uh, whoever won one of those would get a shirt, you know, and then we you know, do a few of those, a bunch of people got different shirts, you know, I thought that was like kind of helpful. Um, that kind of like, you know, brooding for each other and like giving each other like a reason to bring their A game sort of situation.
1: Uh, yeah, I think events are a really useful way to foster a sense of camaraderie. Uh, you know, we did, uh, last over a year ago now I guess uh yeah in in January of 2020 we did this thing where um yeah, everyone was supposed to play a master that they hadn't played in in 2019 uh and we saw a lot of really good activity from that uh, you know we unfortunately we also saw Colgan playing Colotti, uh <laughs> which wasn't ideal um <laughs> but uh, you, you know I, I do think that part of what makes events, Successful is that if you come in every week and you play Malifaux, um, you know even if you enjoy it, it, it can kind of feel like old hat after a while. So if you if you have an event that's that's a little bit different, um, it just casts everything in in sort of a fresh light. Yeah, one hundred
0: percent agree. If if like all right, so, uh, I don't like to speak to audience, but so if you're a person that isn't so like the podcast says competitive, just hopefully prevent some negative reviews uh, for us. But if you're a person who actually doesn't go to events, the best thing that you're missing out on for, for tabletop gaming, so there's like blissful moments when you're right, bliss maybe an overstatement for playing with toys. Uh, there's like these very strong moments when, you know, you played three rounds all day, you drove up with three dudes, Uh, and you're like sitting in a fucking zaxby's or chick-fil-a or some shitty restaurant after the the event's over and you're just like talking about how your day went maybe one of your buddies did really well maybe they won the thing maybe they got second you know you maybe you did good maybe you you know maybe you did really bad this time but you're all sort of like talking it's like oh uh, I ran into that Marcus player round two. He's like, really? I ran into him round three. Oh, did he bring this? He brought Oh, shit. He beat <laughs> me with that too. I can't believe it. Well, don't worry, man. I beat him. I beat him in round three. So yeah, we got back at him. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, mm-hmm. And there's that moment where you're just like fucking exhausted. You're eating shitty chicken. And uh, you can't wait to play more. Like that is a really beautiful part of playing these sort of games and going to tournaments and why I think like tournaments are really just like helpful for your enjoyment of this like hobby. Yeah,
1: no, I I would agree. And I, I feel a lot of people don't, uh, a lot of people who are active maybe with the game, but who don't play in, uh, quote unquote competitive events, um, is because they worry that the experience is going to be somehow negative or, uh, combative. um, but I, you know, I, I think even though uh miniatures games can kind of get that reputation right, people talk about when it all cost or that guy or whatever. Um, you know, for the most part, the experiences are overwhelmingly positive. I've I've had, you know, across all games, even games that people kind of talk about as having um a bad reputation. Now, I never played War Machine, which kind of uh takes the cake in, in, in terms of having a, a bad reputation. Uh, but I would say that if you're kind of on the fence or if you think that, oh, well, you know, I I just don't really see myself caring enough to play an event. Take, take the chance because it, it really does, um, you know, give you the opportunity to meet new people, to, to kind of share your enjoyment of, of this game and this larger hobby. Uh, and, and the worst that can happen is that you kind of have a bad game, right? You have a game that you didn't really enjoy that much. Um, and, and, that's not great, but in the long run, it's not really that big of a deal. And on the other side, you can learn a lot more about the game, and you can just kind of enjoy it on on an entirely different level. And you could just say,
0: "I don't, I don't want to play this game anymore." Like you're <laughs> yeah, an adult. You can just concede. We're all adults. If you, if if someone like, it's very rare to run into that guys or whatever, but if you do, you just go, "Oh, dude, uh, yeah." Like, oh no, you, you have to play for tiebreakers. I and mean, pushes up glasses. It's like, oh well, I got, I got diarrhea, bro. Can't play. Can't play anymore, sorry, they're probably be gone. Let me take some time, they'll probably be gone by
2: next round. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I would say I can't remember the exact layout of most of the games I've played in a tournament setting, but what I do remember is everything else about it, is the time I spent with my friends, it's you know, driving up and being like, okay, so what are you going to do in, in this round? Oh, I hope we don't get paired in this round because I just told you all my secret tech. Um, it's the, you know, jockeying for getting a room if you're doing one of those, like, drives so far you have to stay in a hotel <laughs> for the event sort of thing. The going out to a bar later if that's, your, if that's your cup of tea. You know, those kinds of social interactions, which, frankly, you could do, you could replace gaming with, you know, going to your favorite sporting event, to a show. That's the stuff that, you know, we're social creatures, right? You know, humans are meant to socialize. That's part of why COVID's been so hard on everybody. Gaming is a great outlet for that social interaction that we need as humans. And anyone who has been concerned about doing a gaming event, you know, give it a try. Because, yeah, if, if you're up against somebody who is like the ultimate and I do not want to spend two and a half hours across the table from this person, you don't have to. There's no one holding a, you know, saying you have to play Toy Soldiers with this person or else. Um, If you're not having fun, why bother?
3: So I'm wondering, this might also kind of play into what you said earlier, Cody, about how like your local meta or how you act when you're playing casual games should kind of mirror how you play in tournament games. Um, I don't think I've played in as many tournaments as you guys, but I definitely know that my mindset going to a lot of tournaments is that, you know, everything's going to be a lot harsher. Like, you need to make sure you know everything, you know, all your rules, you place your guys correctly, because no one's going to let you take anything back or be forgiving. Like, they expect you, well, you know, you expect like a higher level play or like perfect play. But all the tournaments that I've actually participated in, like, everyone's been like really nice and laid back. I remember. I think we ran, like, or Jeff organized a Malfo tournament. We had people coming, you know, driving from over like one or two hours away to come and play. And when people made mistakes, we even had like um, some people that were playing their first few games of third edition during the tournament. And everyone was really nice. Like, the, more veteran players like giving them tips during the game or letting them take back news because it's like, well, you probably don't want to suicide your guy into this hazardous terrain. So maybe you can find something else for you to do. And that, I mean, that made the experience really great. And I, I think it's the same thing. Like, I don't really remember specific moments or like specific games, but I just remember everyone being like really nice. Like, everyone was cheering for everyone else. Like, And it was just kind of a great way to play some games against people I wouldn't normally play with, or like would probably never meet in any other circumstance.
1: I think it could. I I think it's easy to sort of talk about uh, tournaments as a competitive environment and read too much into that assumption. Because I watch a lot of Vassal games. Uh, My my schedule can be fairly demanding, so I often just have Vassal games on in the background when I, you know, when people are playing and I'm able to spectate. And even in these Vassal tournaments, I see people, oh, I forgot to draw a card for Ancient Pact. You know, Do you mind if I, if I draw that card or whatever? I, I hear that stuff all the time, and, and people do it. So I, I think Malvo is a game where so much is going on um, that I, a certain level of, of give and take is almost uh, uh, incentivized because you very well might need the same um, the same accommodation later. Uh, but it is interesting to me that, you know, when when Cody talks about, um, uh, you know, not allowing take backs, I'm sure he's not saying you'll be a jackass in the game. Um, but my experience in, in playing Malfo hasn't, I, I haven't really seen that borne out either in my own games or even watching uh, people play across the world in Vassal.
2: I think you hit on a really important point. It's like a, a lot of this is communication between you in, in your opponent, whether it's you in your community, your, your nexus that you're growing, or hmm. your opponent in a, in a tournament setting, you know, it's two people playing the game. It's not just you racking up with your models and someone else is there for you to get their models over. You have to communicate. And generally speaking, the best way I found to both grow my community and to have a good tournament game is to be a, you know, considerate opponent to want, you know, I want my opponent to do a very good job because then if I win, I bet I beat an opponent who's doing their best. Uh, it's it's come up in podcasts before where, you know, no one likes to win by gotchas, right? Because that's not really a test of skill. That's not really, it. I did my best at this game. It's a, oops, my opponent didn't realize that I have serene countenance and uh, there there goes their one chance of pulling this game out
1: yeah i think the point i was trying to make is and and this is something that we did touch on before but it kind of goes to the expectation of how you want to play the game like for me uh like let's say malfo was was serious business right like you're playing for uh your nike sponsorship or whatever um you know like it like it were an esport like league of legends or something um even in that environment i would personally prefer games where oh, uh, I forgot Ancient Pack, do you mind if I draw the card? Uh, yeah, sure, you know, go ahead, do it, whatever. That is, uh, that's just the kind of game I would prefer to play. But reading, you know, not that coding necessarily means this, but one possible interpretation of of this, like you you shouldn't be doing takebacks, just as a, a normative expectation, is that you want to play the game with the higher level of precision. And so when two players come to the game and they have differing expectations in that regard um you know it's it's not like one is right and, and one is wrong or the person who allows takebacks is a great guy and, and the person who doesn't is a jackass um it's just that they they're looking for a different experience out of the game and it can be difficult if you if, if you don't really read that's uh that's the difference between you and your opponent i i i personally feel like that's the source of most Kind of ill feelings after after a game where maybe you didn't have as much fun as you could have, um, but like Cody, you know, would you? Is your preference to play in a game with, uh, you know, like a really high degree of precision where you you know you don't really want people asking to take back ancient pact because what oh, you really want are people who who ought know to no, get no, no, the no, card.
0: No. So so my my position is you I, I like. Almost allow every memory error mm-hmm. to be taken back. But like this strategic take backs so is like harder to even do, right? It's like, mm. oh, well, I should have ran turn one. You know, I should have double walked turn one instead of walk focus. You know, like oh. that's, that's an error of strategy. Which, first of all, can't take back. And then second of all, like that's like actually what we're doing. Like any memory take back, I'm always like, yeah, sure, whatever. I'm going to forget like 15 things. I have a dog shit memory, like really bad. <laughs> so why would I ever hold anyone to that standard? So, so just to relate it back to this open kimono play, uh, I think one of the things that has helped uh, Jimmy level up, and uh, you can correct me here or uh, disagree with me if you, uh, or agree with me, whatever, uh, <laughs> is that whenever we play our games, there is, like the memory element of the game is is not a functional. Element of the game. If he if he goes into something and it, you know it it has manipulated I'm be like, oh, he has manipulative. Back up, you know, like take that charge back. Like don't, don't, don't do that. You know what I'm saying? Like we're we've always been playing the macro game because that's what's engaging and fun to me. So I feel like that has helped him level up a bunch. Uh, you know what I'm saying, uh, Jimmy?
4: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, just being able to like, um, I just feel like. When we play we try to make sure like we're both kinda like getting the most out of our activations of each model. Like we don't just yeah, let we don't let each other just waste activations on mistakes.
0: Yeah, and we get the most out of our time that way too. Like no one wants yeah, to exactly yeah. Because of some bullshit shit. And then we just wasted two hours of our life, right?
1: Yeah. Um, Do you guys feel it would be a struggle to play down? You know, toward maybe someone who's who's really new to the game, so they have their crew box crew plus, you know, one you know the enforcer that shares their keyword or whatever, and and that's what they've got. So they don't have a great list, and they're pretty new to the game. Would you find it difficult to kind of play at their at their level so that it wasn't an eight o stomp? Um, uh,
0: you know, so we're really trying now. We're really so now we're really getting to what we need. Right, we need these concrete like. So if you are a person in your meta and you're the bet if you're if you're the big sh- uh, big fish in a small pond like how do you help your meta get better right that's what we're gonna talk about and so yeah I think that's that's a that's that's a way to do it right is maybe you're playing points the way that I've found that's like more meaningful for me if if I do feel like I need to play down what I try to do is play a crew that I would play anyway play a list that I would play anyway, but take the schemes that I would probably never take, mm. um, and so what that does for me is it lets me like it lets me experiment. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. it's like oh well, I can actually scrape two points out of Runic Binding with this list. Who would have thunk? You know what I'm saying? Like and it and it gives you a way to like not just roll over your opponent because you're trying to do schemes. You know you're trying to do something different but you're still getting experience with the models that you like playing. Anyway, What about you guys? Do you, do you ever pe- play points down or anything like that? Not points
2: down. Um, you know, spe- speaking for me, I, I typically will do what do like you do. I'll, I'll take the crew I was going to take anyway. Um, I might do more actions that are explicit. If it's a newer player, I might take, ac- or especially a demo, I'll take actions explicitly to demonstrate different mechanics in the game. But that I think is getting outside of the realm of self improvement and community, in more realm of just demos.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, sorry, Jeff, I cut you off there. What you were gonna say?
1: Oh no, I was uh, just gonna say I, I don't really take the same lists that I would uh, consider if if I knew I I had to play against a strong opposition. Um, if, if I know my opponent is going to be bringing a crew box uh, and, and, you know, a couple other keyword models, I tend to bring a, a, a reciprocal list. Um, because one of the things I find that people kind of, if you're not really experienced, um, it's hard to really understand just how valuable the efficiency of, of these superior models is and how that translates into advantage on the board. And, and so I feel like a lot of times it's it's hard to really kind of look and see, oh, well, how did I lose this game? Um, whereas if you're using models that are closer, or, or at least a crew composition that's closer to what your opponent has, uh, I generally find that it's easier for them to get a grasp of, of kind of what's going on, and if they ended up losing kind of what went wrong in, in the game on their own. Yeah, but, that's a yeah, like
0: demo level, right? I mean... Are yeah, you changing anything player. when it's a it's a person who's like ah, I played a bunch of second, you know, but this is only my third game of three. Are you still do you still think you should do that or what?
1: I mean, I personally would, uh, okay. but I think if it's uh, if it's someone who shows up and they're like, oh well, this is my first game of third. And here's my yeah. list. It's Colette and the Mech Rider and the Arcane Emissary. And right, it's like, okay, well, you know, it's your first game of third. But uh, it, you know, if I, if I break out the um uh the Perdita crew box here, this isn't really gonna work. So uh you know, I'm, I'm gonna have to try to play to the level of the game that it seems like my opponent is looking for. Um and part of what I struggle with is even though I'm an experienced player, like in, in terms of skill like i'm a fairly mid tier i i can provide reasonable opposition to most people um, but i'm not i'm not going to be podium hunting i'm i'm just not super strong so people who are kind of looking to to really build in a in a competitive sense this is only so far i can really go um, but i feel for people who want to learn the game or who know the basic rules and kind of want to get a handle on on a new keyword or a new master or something like that I feel like my approach might be you know one where they they feel comfortable doing that
3: I mean on on that note I feel like your approach is also kind of tailored to our meta right so I don't know how other metas are but because most of our people are new I think we more or less know the collection of every player in our meta so when you know I don't think there's a lot of times we're actually building lists to the scenario or it's maybe only you and I that actually have enough models that that would make any kind of meaningful difference. That So then when we're going into these um, games against like the newer players, we, I think we tend to bring like crew boxes or kind of these lower level models because we already know exactly what they're bringing before the game even starts. I feel like and- I do the complete opposite.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to Cody about my, my master declaration to the point where it's like, Even if I already knew what he was, like, he already, I somehow just, I already, like, he was going to play on. She's like, well, I picked this because I couldn't pick this master because if he were picking this, it would be bad. And, like, I try to, like, pick based on faction, assuming my opponent just has everything in whatever faction they declared, and try to pick, like, the best for the, the pool into that faction.
1: Well, this is actually something that's always kind of bothered me, or not maybe bothered is too strong, but something I've always been kind of concerned about, is it the hiring process, weird has set that up intentionally, right? You, this isn't a game where you, you're, it's not 40k, where you're able to play uh, the Imperial Guard in any, you know, in every mission in, in every round of the tournament or whatever. The Malifaux is explicitly not supposed oh, to work that way, um, but for a lot of newer players or even, even if they're, you know, even if they progress past where you can call them new, but uh, they're just not super committed to the game. Um, I feel like there are probably a lot of players out there who just play the list that they have that they brought to the store um, no matter what. And it, it, it kind of, I guess all of these games, there's always a talk of at what level do you really aim the balance? Um, and, I've always been kind of concerned that Malifaux is balanced on an expectation that I think a lot of the player base does not meet. And, and so the, you know, the, the way, the way you, uh, Jimmy, the way you and Cody play, that's, that's the process that we're just expecting you to do. And that's the process that probably makes the game work. But I wonder if that's actually the predominant process at game tables, the world over, or if it's more like, Hey, I brought uh, I brought Sonia to the store. I'm playing Sonia. I don't, I don't know what 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 the uh, scheme and strap pool or the opponent. Did.
2: Well, I I wanted to just chime in and say I think if a player is someone who is improvement minded, they're going to be open to the idea that they're going to need more than one crew. That there's probably going <sighs> to be multiple boxes that they want to they want to invest in because if they're invested in this game financially time wise and like mentally like spending time, you know, thinking up lists, thinking up tactics, I think they're the kind of player who's going to really want to find ways to improve themselves and to have a cohort to improve with, which I think that's the kind of the that's the kind of player we're talking about in this section. I, I could be wrong on that um, but it's like it, it feels to me, that yes, there's always going to be members of a community who are beer and pretzels players, mm-hmm. but there are also going to be players who want to get better, and there are ways to help them get better, and they're going to be motivated to do so. I guess
0: yeah, that's like, I that's just like feel, your squires, yeah. right? You know, you you're the big fish in the small pond. You got you got your squire the squire riding in the battle. You know, you already <laughs> got to find the people who who are already down the clown. You know, but it's the I guess the, the type of player you're talking about is kind of like people playing Malifaux, the RPG. Yeah. You know? It's like <laughs> mm-hmm. I I just play Tatanya, you know? Uh and usually that's for lore reasons, you know. It's like I play Parker Barrows, because I wanna like, do my Arthur Morgan paradigm. <laughs> play Malifaux on them. Uh, so I, I guess the question would be like, well, so if you if you if you're of the mindset that you're trying to grow, you know, you try to grow together, even with uh, the people who have these disparate goals and they want to be sort of like RPG players. How much, if, like, is it worth it? I, I think it's worth it. and still trying to incorporate them, right? Like, mm-hmm. do you guys think it would be okay, assuming we're all, uh, you know, assertive individuals, uh, to just be like, hey, I know you play Titania, but last time I was at an event and this Nikita player just. The shit out of me. Would you be okay picking up
1: Nikima to try and like you know play that against me? You guys think that's fair? Yeah, I don't
4: think I there's think... anything wrong with it. Uh, How sorry, dare
1: no. you? <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess my feeling is that you know Colgan, Colgan and Jimmy are both newer players who have an Im- who had or sorry at one point they were newer players when they joined the game they were newer players they have an improvement motivation they also have experience from other games to me although obviously you should provide those players with with whatever help you can those are the kind of people who they're going to get there on their own right as long as the meta is active as long as they're able to get games as long as they feel interested in that they're growing they're going to improve on their own and so that's why you know maybe it it sounds like I'm I'm more concerned with with these we can call them casual players I guess but for me, it's kind of like the casual players are the ones who aren't going to grow on their own. That's kind of why I, I'm most interested in, in in what their journey with the game
2: would be like. Uh, Jeff, this might come as a shock to you, but when I started the game, I too was a newer player. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, joking aside, as far as, you know, Cody, what you mentioned about, you know, encouraging members of your community to maybe pick up other... Keywords that either to play against to try and, you know, cut your teeth against that Nakima. Um, one thing I found helpful is I have a problem where I, I want to buy all the kits and put them together and paint them. Yeah. And, and then they're sitting in my bag on game day. Well, I really enjoy lending people crews to try out to see if they want to play them. And if you have a large enough community where everyone has, you know, like their handful of... Masters in each faction. It's entirely possible that you can build up a, a library of keywords, and you know as the additions change, as gaining grounds come and go. You know, oh man, Wong's going to be the new hotness in GG two, and everyone's like, okay, well, can I get some playtest against Wong? Well, now you have a player in the community who has a Wong crew, and if they like it, then you know have your store order it. And that's And that's something I wanted to uh, make a point about, especially for folks who are looking to improve their community and grow their community, is involve your local stores. Because your stores are where, if you're, well, at least post-COVID, game stores are where you're going to congregate. They're that third place for you, where you can build that camaraderie, that spirit, like going to the club, uh, the, the game club. My experience with game stores is if they're not selling the product, they're not super keen on you playing the game in the store. You know, they, they want their game tables to be showing off merchandise they have. So if you encourage the store to carry the product, you know, and I know Weirds had, there, there have been concerns about getting product in the past. All the game stores that I have worked with have been able to get product. I don't think that's as much of an issue anymore, and that also allows you to say, "Hey, man, did you see the new kit that just came out? I think it'd be right up your alley." And you know, it's easier to get people into the game and to get these new kits to grow and to add these tools to their repertoire and your community's repertoire if you take that little extra step to involve your your local game store.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's pretty good advice. But to clarify what I was uh, saying with the the Titania uh, is that what I think the goal, if you're this kind of big fish, small pond player, the goal of asking them to pick up is not to experience against Nikima and get better. It's to invite that person to be on your team. Does that make sense? Like, I think that by saying, oh, I, I need help against Nikima. Like, can you help me out? you know, then, then you guys, then you guys are kind of on the same team, you know what I'm And I think, um, if it, I think if you think about it as sort of, that's a way to give that person some pride and, and even if they don't go to tournaments, then now that they have a little bit of, a little bit of invested interest in, which I think could help, you know, now, now maybe they want to pick up Dreamer to help you out with that, you know, something like that, you know? And I think, yeah, and- I think it could be a mediating sort of situation if you, we try to
1: get everyone on the same squad. You know? Yeah. No. I mean, I I think that can definitely help help kind of build the you know, like it, it it kind of gives them a stake in your results, and you get back, and you can say, oh yeah, you know, I saw that they did this and this, um, and it could even um, it could even lead to them developing play uh, in in that master, as you say, you know, as you kind of relate what you saw. Uh, at the tournament from other uh Necimo players. They might be like, oh yeah, I didn't think about that. And that might make them interested in playing it um in 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 their own right. Uh and I think that kind of goes to this sense that it's it's possible to build uh to build an investment in the meta uh outside of, of or away from the gaming table or in addition to the gaming table. Um and you know, Cody and Jimmy you guys have this this podcast that uh, has been really well received. You guys have the super active Discord. You know, have have you found that those, um, that those things have have changed your meta or changed the way you looked at the game or provided you with more incentive to to play the game? Why
4: don't you get to it? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I like seeing other other you know people in Discord talk about certain things. There's been some things people bring up that I want to try, like stuff like that. It kind of helps improve. Um, This whole like concept of like a like, like a team, you're met as a team is like, is pretty like huge in like Magic the Gathering. Mm -hmm. When I used to play, like if we were all planning on going to a tournament, there would be we would spend we would meet up on days that maybe we would normally play like, basically we'd play a tournament and we would just play whatever format that event was instead. Maybe like six of us or you know five or six of us. And we would just play matchups, the matchups we'd want for like hours. Like we would we, we play like, okay, first we're gonna play a bunch of game ones, and we're gonna just alternate who goes first. And then, okay, well I won most of the game ones, now we're gonna play sideboarded. So we're gonna play game twos, and well I won most of the game ones, so you get to go first on the game twos. and We're gonna play that out, and just like basically learn the matchups. Like it was like a big deal, and like every you always wanted like the people, like the people you traveled with. Yeah. you wanted to do well like I remember one like tournament that I went to and it was in like Kentucky or something and it was like a big tournament and we were all very like you know rooting each other on having a good time and I remember in like the third or fourth round I got paired against one of the guys that I I came with and <laughs> like a, in an 1800 person tournament
2: <laughs> it always happens doesn't it
4: yeah. and it was like the worst feeling
0: or at least you had practice the matchup a few
4: times. Yeah. <laughs> did you win, lose? It... Uh I lost. I oh shit! Yeah, definitely lost. It was very close.
0: <laughs> he's 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 an ambassador.
4: It was a very sw- it was a swingy matchup.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, stones. And... Super important. Yeah.
1: No, you guys. Oh, he's just gonna say schemes and stones. Like you know, to kind of draw on this the team concept. Schemes and stones did a a game against um, I, I forget what the other cast was. The maybe the capital city crew. Um, I, I, I forget, but, um, you know, I, I did actually find myself, uh, in invest. I, I I didn't really care which team won from a personal standpoint. Um, but I found, you know, the fact that there are clear sides, it, it does make it easier to kind of get invested. It would yeah. be interesting to do something similar, but, um, like with the audiences of the different pods, uh, if, if it would be possible to, to differentiate them like that, um, just to just to you know see what the you know what the difference is between the the kind of player who who listens to swamp fiends compared to schemes and stones compared to third floor wars or or whatever um you know i i think that would be fun yeah i think
0: there's a lot of uh, i'm sure there's a lot of overlap if it's uh i don't know (laughs) it would be very hard to tell I, th- I feel like most of the podcast listening audience lists to every single one, like myself. <laughs> or you, have, or you have Jimmy who doesn't listen to. Me. I just realized we're making all these nexus jokes. And he has-
2: <laughs> Consider yourself a Not a clue. Yourself,
0: uh, <laughs> Not, a <fucking> clue. <laughs> Not a clue. Let me break out the internet historian books. page one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, uh, do we have any other like concrete? Things that we think might help build um, some camaraderie in the community.
2: I th- I think you can. It's the little things, especially starting out, that are really important. What was it you said earlier, Jeff? We had a player who started, and then like the first game he won was what a month in, or so, a month oh, Are games. you talking about Liam? Yeah. No, that and was like, then, like <laughs> a year in.
3: Oh, and, Liam's great. Liam's like the coolest
2: person ever. Yeah. 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 And so and so like when he finally won. It was like, whoa, yeah, and like really supporting those small victories to like reinforce the positive atmosphere of the game.
3: Um, Yeah, I mean, I I would say, you know, everyone kind of has something that they're looking for out of the game, and I still feel that probably the biggest draw for a lot of people is kind of like the social aspect. So I guess I'm not sure about a lot of other people, but it's a lot easier for me to socialize or talk with people if there's some kind of activity going on, like the most awkward thing for me is just like to sit across from someone I don't really know. and like, all right, talk, have a conversation, but you know, if you have a game to play or you have something else to kind of, you know, occupy your mind for a little bit, it makes it a lot easier. And I think, you know, if you're going to try and build a meta, you know, the first thing you need is people and people are only ever going to come back if they have an enjoyable time. So I think, I know that there's been a couple of players in our meta that, you know, the only reason that they even stuck around at the shop is because, you know, Jeff was out there making sure we had consistent game nights or he'd approach people in the store, ask if they wanted a demo of Malifaux. And, you know, we had all the stuff there. So it's like, all right, you don't have to think like we got the cards, we'll walk you through it. It's like, if you want to stop at any time, that's fine. And we even started this thing now where, if people go through a demo game, then they can pick from our little stash of starter or core boxes. semester so oh, core boxes that we have. Um, awesome. Yeah, so it's been a nice little thing. And it's also kind of like that little push for some people that might be a little bit more hesitant. Like, oh, maybe, you know, like they don't want to take up our time or they're worried that, oh, weren't you guys going to play a game against each other? But it's like, no, oh, we got the stuff that we need to give away. <laughs> You'll be helping us out a little <laughs> bit. I'm about to get a plane
0: ticket and a must like a fake
1: mustache <laughs> and that's like a crew box. That's right, thousand dollars to fly to <laughs> the country for a fifty dollar crew box. <laughs> that's economics right there. Yep, uh, yep. Colgan and I did actually recently do a game where uh, we were we were planning on playing a game, um, but we ended up kind of uh, like co piloting uh, two two players who they they'd done a demo previously, so they more or less understood the, the basic rules, or at least, you know, how to do flips and and whatever else. Um, but they had, they then moved on to masters that they wanted to play rather than that kind of simple cruise that we use for, for, uh, our crew box demos. Um, and it was Marcus and Zoraida and, and those two masters just have a ton going on. Um, and you know, Colgate and I, we didn't play for them. Um, but we did just kind of help walk them through, uh, what's going on. And so that might be one way where if you have a meta where there's like clear delineation between where the players are at. And if, if if you don't like Colgan and I are sort of the most experienced and the most committed of the players now that Jim has moved away. So we could either play each other every single week um, or, you know, which I think we'd prefer we can help the players who are interested in Kind of developing in the game, come to the point where they're 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 beating us. Um, so, if, if you're an experienced player and you're noticing a lot of newer players and and they're receptive to the help and you're more than willing to to help them out, maybe try one of these co-pilot games where. Uh, you know, you've got an experienced player on each side. You've got the newer player who's who's taking charge, who's making the decisions, but you're there to give some advice um, or to explain how it is that they can achieve what they're trying to achieve. Uh, and I actually thought that that game was pretty interesting. Uh, and in the end, I think it was a I think it was a tie between Marcus and rider, and it came down to pretty much the last activation of the last turn.
0: I wonder if we think that you know pride in your meta can become toxic if you become just too arrogant. Well, I I'm pretty sure we all would agree that it can become toxic.
2: Um but uh at what point do you guys so. feel like it is <laughs> 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 well, I think part of that is when you start take you start taking the game and your position in the game too seriously. Like mm-hmm. I know I know we joke about it often either on the Discord or, you know, Jeff mentioned it earlier, but, you know, by the stats, Cody, you are one of the top, if not the top players in the game, but you don't exactly go around seriously being like, look at me. I'm the best in the night, night, you know, you're, you're not doing it for these like ego points. Ego points is, I think the phrase I'm looking for
3: mm-hmm. when
2: you can be proud of the community you're a part of, but the minute it's like more than just a game, a hobby, and it's like it reaches that level of importance, I think that's when it starts to become toxic. Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: Expectations
2: is a bird you said there, because that will really fuck you up. I
0: think the most tilted or like cancers I've ever been uh, playing tabletop games is like when you know like shit's just not going well in your personal life or something or you had a hard day of work and then you go into the shop and you have some expectation about being you know like doing well at this game it's like the only game you're going to be able to play for like a month or something like that that's like that's what i've been most like tilted or something it was because of like you said expectation you know it's like oh this is the only game i'm going to get to. i hope i win anything like that or if you go to I i don't know uh I'd have to lose a tournament to experience this. I'm sure if you like, lose every game in a tournament, you could get, get really fucked up. <laughs> yeah, I think expectations is, is such a beautiful that.
1: <laughs> I would be a bit concerned about, uh, about I guess, meta pride at the point where it got exclusionary. Oh, yeah. Um, and this could also actually exist within a meta, right? Like if you have a, yeah. a, a click uh, within a meta. Um, because. You know, all these games want and, in fact, need more people to participate at basically every level of the game. Um, so it's kind of self-defeating in a way, but it's also sort of natural for for people to separate off into into smaller and, and more harmonious groups. Or, or groups that kind of accord more with, with certain p- personalities or, or what people want from the game or whatever. Um, so I think, like, if it's... Oh, uh, like, I don't... You know, the people at that store over there, they're they are jerks or, you know, mm-hmm. we don't want to teach a new player or whatever. At, at that point, I think a meta could become toxic and I think probably pretty stale, too. Like if you and Jimmy um, were like, oh, well, we don't want to teach uh, uh, John, you, you know, some some random new person because they're not going to be at, at our level. Um, you know, you're just saying, oh, we're we're just going to we're consigned to play each other uh, for all time.
0: Yeah, when I first moved to North Carolina, it was so weird. I lived in between two stores, and both of them had active War Machine groups, and they hated each other. <laughs> and they never got it. It's like, I guess it was such a, it's like a click thing. But, like, both stores were like, oh, yeah, we don't like this. They play, no, they play different than we do. And then I would go to the other store, and they would go, like, yeah, we don't like this. They play different, or something. Like, definitely that sort of, like, that was definitely not pride. That was like a click with yours. It was just like, it was probably some, you know, this henchman doesn't like, well, this press ganger doesn't like that one or something, you know? It, you right. Know, it could have been something so silly and clickish. So, yeah. Well,
1: and the petty it. or the venue, the greater the tyrant, right? <sighs> this is why, this is why people on homeowners associations are the worst people on earth. <laughs> um, <laughs> 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 like if you've never dealt with an HOA, you, you know, you're lucky. Um, and for those of you i guess listening if you, any of you are on HOA i guess uh take a good look in the mirror um but it 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 is kind of weird how how something that's supposed to bring people together uh for no purpose other than fun um can lead to kind of this this tribalism uh which i guess we shouldn't complain about too much cuz the psychology behind that um is probably why we have society and stuff like that <laughs> Uh <laughs> but if if you're finding uh it hard to retain new players, it might be because and, and perhaps unintentionally, you might be giving off a less than welcoming vibe. And w- and one thing that might be less than welcoming, which you might not maybe hit on, is if you're slagging off the, the gaming group next door, uh that can definitely come off wrong uh to someone.
3: Yeah, I think that oh sorry, go ahead. No, you, no, you. Uh okay, yeah, you I was bad. gonna say <laughs> Yeah, so I was gonna say that being exclusionary and I think being really mindful, I guess, of how you speak of other people, because when I go, it definitely gives me a bad vibe. If you go to a store and like the whole time they're just like shit talking other mm-hmm. it doesn't make for a very inviting environment. And you know, as you were saying, I guess if you're not getting new players or like one way to kind of safeguard against being exclusionary, I think, is to make sure that you're always reaching out to people that kind of come into the store that you might not have seen yet. You know, maybe just start a little conversation. You know, it's like, hey, would you like, you know, want to play a game or like what games do you play? Because I, I remember going into another store and, you know, I think um, they were talking about like playing some Blood Bowl and the shop owner was like, oh yeah, there's a few guys that play Blood Bowl here, but um they don't like wasting time so if you don't know the rules then they're gonna get mad at you i'm like oh okay i i kind of never want to learn blood bowl or if i'm gonna learn it like i don't want to play here like i don't want my first game to be against someone who's just going to be like staring daggers at me because i haven't memorized the rules or i'm like not very comfortable with my play
1: so which war machine group did
0: you end up joining uh, was that question for me?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like uh, you know, jerk, jerk A or jerk B. Like which, uh... <laughs> I lived in between both
0: of them, and I just kept going to both of them. And every time I'd say, like, oh, they're not that bad. He yeah. <laughs> was like, yeah, I get it. Out but the they're Cause not
3: of the rivalry? No idea. I think
0: it was like two years ago. One of them got mad at the other one, or something, or like who knows? It was so weird. But yeah, back to you, to, to to Colgan's point. I think. I think that really does speak to you know what I think is is the important part of what we're talking about, which is just like try and get as many people on your team, even though we're playing a game that's a it's a you know zero sum game right and there's only one winner like there's a way to yeah true true uh there's a way to you know get people well there's not it's not always possible, but when it is it's like it's helpful to get people. know on, on sort of the same team even even in the pursuit of a game where there's only one winner for each game because like the, i guess i guess maybe a way to do that is to think about what the bigger goal is you know and that's what jimmy and i talked about on like one episode it's like my goal is to like improve and winning and losing can both serve that same goal as long as you know we're on the same team and we're both you know after that goal
3: um yeah, I was just gonna say I, I really do agree. Cause I remember that when the local meta here started growing, it was it was really nice just to go in and like see people that you recognize. And like even if I went in and I didn't get a game of Malifo, like there are people playing and you know, I could just like shoot the shit with them. And it wasn't like, you know, going into other game stores for the first time, like seeing all these people I don't know, like trying to figure out like do they even play the game here or like trying to make those connections. It's kind of nice just to go in and you know, like If everyone's on your team it's really easy just to relax or like just jump in and banter for a little bit while they're playing their game and i don't know it makes it really relaxing and like the game store just kind of becomes a place they can hang out at instead of a place that you have to like go to for a specific reason
0: yeah so hopefully all this advice will be applicable by the time uh you know we all get our uh (laughs) our shots and we can start going back (laughs) to the uh the store and such uh, I definitely can't wait to hopefully think about this some more and think about how we can, you know, grow our seed down here. I, I definitely know, like, when we started this pod, like, a lot of people in Florida were like, hell yeah, you know, like, Swamp Feeds, Florida, that's, that's kind of cool. Like, even if, uh, you know, they weren't, hadn't played with Jimmy and I, they're still like, you know, oh, that's kind of cool that there's someone from our state kind of doing something. So, I guess to your question a long time ago, Jeff, that. The, there, there definitely was some sort of uh, residual effects of starting this and you know, talking about the area led to you know a little bit more Man of pride outside of yep. just you know me and Jimmy.
1: Right, and I mean your guys' Discord has become a really central hub of Malifaux discussion, right? I mean it's joined, I think the forums in a weird places. Is- one of the one of the more active discussion points, and a lot of people take pride in those snowflake lists. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I I think the Swamp Fiends identifier probably reaches beyond mere uh, Florida now. Well, not mere. I don't mean to diss the entire state. Yeah. But just Florida. <laughs> the
0: state is fucking giant. <laughs> it's like five continents. Um, yeah, I don't know why the Discord is you know popping as it is. I'm glad it is. I think it I think it is because it does feel like a group chat. Uh, in some ways because there's only one channel uh, so that has its pros and cons but i think other people have the uh this the the, the 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 more segmented conversation covered so uh, the swamp beans discord you can go and just read some bullshit and maybe you know add a like or add a sentence here and then leave it alone so i think that's been nice um you guys have anything else to add for you?
1: just uh love the pod thanks for having me on yeah, thanks
2: for coming on. Yeah, like, thanks for the opportunity. I like your guys' shit too. I like your pod. I like your vids, James. All right, James. Oh goodness! Well, thank you. <laughs> you gotta play more of
0: um, my girl, though. You
2: gotta play more Yoko. It's it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's coming. That, <laughs> that's all. Like, that's all I got
0: for you. Just gonna wait like five years until she gets buffed. Yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'll it's... finish. I'll finish my twenty games and then forty.
1: <laughs> I mean, if there's another fact in March, I know if, if there was last year, so if there is this year, maybe she'll maybe she'll get buffed sooner than oh uh, sooner than we think.
2: And then I have to start all over again. Great. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's the meta is going to be her and of course the Explorer Society stuff, which hasn't been out long enough to get nerfed probably um, and then you know whatever uh, whatever other uh, kind of trash tier that they raise at to the top.
2: Can you imagine? What else would it be? <laughs> Guild. Oh. They'll, they'll find a way to, to make Guilt. What an awful meta. It's just Yoko, Nelly, Nexus, <laughs> and English Island. Did, did you want to flip cards and use your own models to do things? <laughs> nope. The nope.
0: doing nothing. I was so frustrated that, like, control has been just... It's seemingly been the thing that they're most willing to go aggressively at just across the board, but nah. Uh, GG2, controls coming back, baby. <laughs> well, um, listen to the other side. Listen uh, to these guys' pod. Uh, I guess that's it.
1: Yeah, oh. also listen to the other coast. Oh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the other coast. <laughs>
1: but do play the other side. It's a really good game. Uh, and supposedly it's getting a starter set sometimes.
0: If you guys did an other
3: side podcast, what would you call it? Uh, so our know, original plan was to kind of like play <laughs> both sides of the coin. <laughs> so we've been gearing up for uh, the other side episode for a while.
1: Yeah, Colgan and I played like five games so that we would be able to talk about it uh, intelligently. But then so much time passes, every, you know, we have
3: to play another game. We still need to finish our game. We started like two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Jimmy and I keep meaning to play because he bought a shit ton of the boxes, but just haven't got around to it. Yeah, I mean now's a good I, time
1: to get into it because the stuff you can get it super. Yeah.
4: Cool. Yeah, I got all the starters and Titans. Oh, mm-hmm. nice! For like I don't know, thirty percent like retail or something.
2: That's bananas. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, probably well, a good time to get in. Once the the new stuff
0: comes out, like the new uh, Tarai and some new stuff, it probably. Get
1: yeah, I mean, when hope dies, there's savings to be. So, <laughs> you, know, you can see all these people who've given up on the game and they put their collections up on eBay or on the Facebook uh, trade groups or wherever. Um, and if you're at all considering, you know, pick it up and give it a try.
0: Do not trust a hope unless you're a discount <laughs> shopper. <laughs> right,
2: I'm really turning this off now. Huh? What are you doing in my swamp?